This is Wits. I'm John Moe. On this week's show, Amy Sedaris. You know Amy is an actress, a writer. She says she was also a pretty talented waitress. I'm quick. I'm fast. I remember things. I'm not a very good trainer. You know, whenever they wanted you to train somebody, I was like, ugh, I don't want to train somebody. It slows you down. Also, a glimpse behind the office doors of Sterling Cooper Price. Kind of. Here comes me, Pet Clamble. I want things to have. Our twisted take on Mad Men. Plus music from They Might Be Giants and the frustrations of Winnie the Pooh's co-workers. It's all on Wits, the show that asks the tough questions. Amy Sedaris, what would be your first choice for a superpower? I, I want to see people naked. What do you call that? Um, X-ray vision. Okay. I was going to say, if all you want is to see people naked, there's the whole internet. You know we'll begin after the news. From the Fitzgerald Theater in downtown St. Paul, this is Wits, I'm John Moe. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear that, it makes me think, well, yeah, but today is also the last day of your life so far. <laughs> kind of one of those glasses half full, glasses dead things. But think about it, all you've done in your life has led you to right now. The sum total of every decision you've ever made has guided you to listen to this. It's the butterfly effect. You know, the theory that a butterfly flapping its wings on one side of the world can lead to a tornado on the other side, provided it's a monstrously huge and powerful butterfly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it works. And the butterfly effect is also a 2004 Ashton Kutcher movie. The mind races when you think about it. If you were in Iowa in the 80s and decided to give pubescent Ashton Kutcher a Stephen King novel, maybe he gets hooked on horror fiction to the point that he never becomes a model. And then he wouldn't have gone to Hollywood. And The Butterfly Effect, the film, may have been made with someone else, uh, Michael Keaton or John Turturro, B. Arthur, would have been very different. And Demi and Bruce might have worked things out. You see, our decisions have consequences. We make decisions all the time. You decide to ignore your check engine light, and then one morning your car won't start, so you decide to take the bus. But when you get to the stop, the bus has just left, and the next one isn't for 20 minutes, so you go get some coffee. And in the coffee shop, you strike up a conversation with a guy who's reading a Stephen King novel, and he becomes your best friend, and his name is Ashton. Again, you're living in Iowa. I'm really attached to you being in Iowa. Decisions brought you here, and this right now is the culmination, the last day of your life so far. Of course, if you die in just a moment and there is an afterlife and you think back on your final moments, you'll think, well, what an abrupt and unsatisfying ending. That was worse than The Sopranos. <laughs> but it's not the end of your life. It's the middle. It's time to pause and listen to some stories and jokes and songs. The decision to tune into this program, however, I have no idea where that one will take you. Because you were listening to this, you may never go out and meet that special someone at the moment that special someone was available. Then again, because you were sitting listening to this, you may have avoided walking around and getting crushed by a falling anvil, which is a thing that happens all the time. <laughs> Welcome to a decision you made. Welcome to Wits. Amy Sedaris was Jerry Blank in Strangers with Candy. She's been an elf. Sex in the City, Puss in Boots. She's the author of the best-selling books, I Like You, Hospitality Under the Influence, and Simple Times, Crafts for Poor People. Hi, Amy Sedaris. Hi. 
<laughs> you, <laughs> you have such um, a unique voice in your, in your acting and your writing, and your brother David has kind of a knack for a unique voice as well. What was the Sedaris home like growing up? <laughs> well, we all got along, and we still get along, I will say that. Um, I mean, it wasn't that different than anybody. I mean, I hear other people talk about their family. I'm always like, well, our family did that too. Yeah. You know, maybe just a little bit differently, you know, <laughs> just slightly. There was a, a story uh, about you renting, uh, was it a fat suit when you went home to visit? Uh, My father, he's very weight conscious. Like he'll say, it looks like you've gained two ounces. You know, like he can see it. And he's like, what are you talking about? So I had a fatty suit made. It was $250. And I got it from a, a costume shop in New York called Frankenstein's or something. Frankie okay. Stein's. Frankenstein. And I couldn't afford the top half, so I only got the bottom. <laughs> and I wore it on the airplane. And I mean, my father fell for it. Yeah, I guess I go, your butt is this big. And he blamed David for all of it. It was, and I kept it on for three or four days. <laughs> and if you want to lose weight, get a fat suit. Because <laughs> really, and same for Jerry Blake, when we did Strangers, I wore a fatty uh, suit, you know, from the waist down. And, uh, you know, at the end of the run, I like lost 10 pounds. <laughs> three fantastic. Or three or four days is a lot of commitment for a joke. It was very comfortable. And it was around Christmas time, so. Oh, okay. It was toasty warm. It's, had sweat pants. It's like wearing a Snuggie, really. Yeah, okay. it was perfect. Well, you mentioned Jerry Blank, your character on uh, Strangers with Candy before. I, I want to ask you how that was born, but first I wonder if you could describe for people who Jerry Blank was. Uh, she was a 47 ex-convict. She was a, a boozer and a loser and a user. And, um... <laughs> She was a lot of fun to play, and I told the costume girl, Vicki Farrell, I just said, just dress me like I own a snake. That's all I gave her. <laughs> and then for the wig guy, I said, just, I want a wig like a professional golfer, you know, <laughs> off my neck. So everything just kind of came together for that character. And I've never done heroin or drugs like that. I've never been, you know, promiscuous. So, you know, I just pretended, you know, it was <laughs> Where, fun to be her. I, I know you, you trained uh, at Second City uh, in Chicago. Where did the character of Jerry Blank emerge from? <laughs> um, she was a combination of, 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 of things. Actually, there was a woman that my brother David knew, and that's where I first heard the voice. And then it was me trying to imitate David making the voice, and then it just kind of fell into, you know, that. And then the overbite just feels good, you know. Use every muscle in your face. <laughs> Forever. And, you know, little twitches from Paul Donello's dog I picked up. I mean, she was a combination of so many things. <laughs> Um, I want to ask you about a, a couple of particular things, um, uh -oh. which I don't ask every guest that we have on the show. I don't ask everybody about waitressing. Uh, mm. You waited tables even after you were on TV regularly. Uh, yes. Why were you so fond of waitressing? I, well, it's good for um, a lot. I like working with the public. Um, it's good with your timing. You know, it helps you. I love making cash. You know, money like that. Just I love counting like, it. The, the tips at the end of the oh, night. Oh, I love me. it. You know, usually when I do like little book events or, you know, things like that, I usually have things to sell. And then, you know, I'm counting 38, 39, 40 as people are leaving. I'm counting all my singles. But then you can be extravagant and tip everybody. That made, you know, the show happen. So I'll do anything. Like, you know, I just always want an allowance. Are you, are you a really great waitress or are you just sort of doing it as a, as a lark and for fun? Like, are you good at it? I, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm quick. I'm fast. I remember things. I'm not a very good trainer. You know, whenever they wanted you to train somebody, I was like, oh, I don't want to train somebody. It slows you down. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to ask about your, your, your 
you have a pet rabbit. Yes. Dusty Dean. I've had, I have a senior uh, pet rabbit. Like she might be 10 or 11. Wow. I've had her for nine and a half years. How did this come about? Why rabbits? Why not cats or dogs? Um, I, you know, actually I was with Andy Richter when I got my first rabbit and I just, it was an impulse buy. But she, um, that rabbit was murdered. And then, um, Wait, hold on, <laughs> no, hold on. no, she wasn't murdered. She died. Oh, she was like six or seven. And then, um, this, I agreed for a year and then I got this new rabbit. But now, cause she's senior, she's kind of wetting the bed a little bit. She's mm. losing control. So now I sleep on the bed with a huge hay box, you know, so allergy city. And it's hard to ask someone to come and, you know, spend the weekend at your house to watch your rabbit. And I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, do you mind sleeping next to a big a box with urine in it. It's not going to go so big. I live alone. Let's talk about crafts, Ooh. shall we? <laughs> Let's talk about crafts in your books. Something I've, I've liked about uh, both of your books is that the recipes in them, the crafts in them, I mean, it's all, it's all very, very funny, but the things actually work. You can really make these things, and it's not just a, a big joke. How important was that to you that okay. this is real practical advice? Uh, very important. I mean, actually, it's only funny because Paul Donello, who helped me uh, write the books, I mean, because of him, it's funny because I kept trying to make everything so serious. I'm like, no, I want it to be real information, and then he would make fun of me, and then the jokes would go in. <laughs> but uh, I do. Like, I take it seriously. But otherwise, you would set out to just write a, a straight face serious. Yes, he was like snooze a ruse. He's like, this is so boring. <laughs> I was like, it's just because you don't do it, you know, but uh, he learned a lot. <laughs> well, I, I, I admit I don't do a lot of crafting myself. But, not but yet. Not yet, but you brought some crafting with you all the way from New York City. Yes, well. And uh, I'm going to do some, some radio commentary on what we're working with here. Okay. You, show me what we have. Well, this is real hobnob glass, okay? okay. It's, it's very simple. This is perfect for the elderly or maybe... Um, the blind, uh, and what you do so is you take... So this is a, a, small, a small jar, it looks yeah, like it's Yeah, it's a small nubby. little candle, you can get them in the supermarkets for like 79 cent. And um, you take uh, peas, like, and you glue them to the glass. Um, I ended up using like some, a, a bigger kind of bean, like a small white bean, because I didn't have any split peas, but, so that's why it doesn't look that attractive, but... <laughs> I didn't want to get rid of it. So anyway, you glue it, you let it dry, and then you put it by the bedside, and let's say the old person wanted to reach, you know, and, and find the candle to blow it out, and they can't figure out which is the candle, which is the jar of Vaseline, but they'll feel the hobnob. They feel the nubs, they feel the, the beans. So Yeah, it's, it's really cute. I, one of my favorite crafts. How important is it that it's beautiful versus how important is it that you've just made something that didn't exist before. Well, my stuff doesn't look very well. I know. I think Real it's crafters. Lovely, Amy can you imagine how beautiful? I'm not good at it. I just I can come up with the ideas and I can get everybody excited and get them working and everything, but I'm really not. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but that but I like to do things with my hands. But what I admire is you don't know what you're doing, I don't. but it's full speed ahead. 100% right. <laughs> We love you for it. You can read more about them in Amy Sedaris's crafting books. Thanks, Amy. Oh, thank you. And now, right here on stage, from Brooklyn, New York, it's They Might Be Giants. <laughs> Thank you.
You're older than you've ever been, and now you're even older, and now you're even older, and now you're even older, you're older than you've ever been, and now you're even older, and now you're older still. Time is marching on, and time. is still marching on. This day will soon be at an end, and now it's even sooner, and now it's even sooner, and now it's even sooner. This day will soon be at an end, and now it's even sooner, and now it's sooner still. You're older than you've ever been, and now you're even older, and now you're even older, and now you're even older. You're older than you've ever been, and now you're even older, and now you're older still. They might be giants. And John Munson and the Witnesses. They might be giant witnesses. You're listening to a show called Wits. I'm John Moe. More with Amy Sedaris and They Might Be Giants in just a moment. I'm John Moe, and you're listening to Wits from APM, American Public Media. This is an episode with Amy Sedaris and They Might Be Giants, recorded on June 30th of 2012, which, when you think about it, is just a few days before Independence Day. 236 years ago this week, it wasn't gods, it wasn't mythic heroes that gathered to sign the Declaration of Independence. It was real people with real problems. Let's travel back and listen. Okay, Franklin, what's the holdup? Why won't you sign? The national bird is an important subject, Thomas, and I think the turkey is an excellent choice. But why, Ben? Why? The turkey is brave and noble. He earns his place in the world by honest means. And then you can eat him on Thanksgiving, and it's like you're ingesting America. Ah. <laughs> you can feel America travel through your gastrointestinal tract, being converted to waste. Ben, you're weirding me out a little. What bird do you suggest, Adams? I want to table the bird discussion for now. I think we need to address the message we're sending England here. 
Hello, everyone. Sorry I'm late. Hi, Hancock. It's me, John Hancock. Yeah, you don't have to yell. There's just a few of us here right now. Small room. It's me, Hancock. Hi. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure to make my presence known. Oh, is this the declaration? Cool, I'll sign it. Okay, John, John. There just make sure you leave room for other people too, please. What? I can't even hear you guys. Never mind, Hancock. Well, fellas, I gotta go. Good luck with England. Ostriches, maybe? They're pretty cute. Scary. No one messes with an ostrich. We'll get to the birds, Ben. Promise. Now, Jefferson, mm -hmm. it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, right. that all men are created equal, mm -hmm. that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That's good. <laughs> Thank you, I thought so. But I wonder if we need to define the terms. When you say all men, do you mean just men or women too? Oh, no, 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 I mean women as well, of course. I didn't think it was even an issue. Oh my God, do you think I sound sexist? I could change it. <laughs> no, no, I, I think they'll figure it out. Yeah. How about a kangaroo? Well, that's not even a bird. Now, this, this business about being endowed by their creator. Right. See, I didn't say God because when people see that, they'll know that we have religious freedom and no one will ever get all uptight about religion and American government. Oh, well done. Well done. Yes, that should take care of everything. Hey, guys. Sorry I'm late. Ah, well, Samuel Adams, drinking more than your share of ale again, I see. Yeah, yeah, man, I like to party. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Listen, I looked at this here declamation. There's stuff you left out. Like? Well, we should henceforth celebrate this day by blowing crap up. <laughs> with, with rockets and stuff. Pow! Why? Why not? You're... I am going to fight you. Oh, oh, and hey, hey, on Coney Island in New York, there ought to be a hot dog eating contest. It would be disgusting and awesome, and everyone's throwing up, you know? But mostly the blowing stuff up. Trust me, dude, you gotta have that. You could blow up a turkey. Oh, man, radical Franklin. Blow up a turkey. I can live with that. Oh. Fine, fine. We'll, we'll sign it now, and we'll put that stuff in later. Just try to work around Hancock's signature. Sure. And that is the transcript from the signing of the Declaration of Independence brought to you by the Wits History Foundation. <laughs> this is Wits. I'm John Moe. Amy Sedaris, there are a lot of people out there in the world and a good number of people here in the Fitzgerald Theater with problems, people living in various states of savagery, and we're hoping that you can help people out. So uh, let's go to the audience and let's start right there. Hi, Hi Amy. So you've stabbed the wrong person. Uh, it happens. What goes into the gift basket as an apology? <laughs> yeah, what... Did you really stab somebody by accident? My lawyers have advised me to neither confirm nor deny. Okay, it's you a can't talk about the case. It's a hypothetical. I guess I would leave a nice sewing kit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but, but pre-threaded. Pre-threaded needles. I love pre-threaded needles. Yeah, that's what I would do. Nice little... And a card or just, just the I kit? I think they'll know who it's from. I think they'll know. <laughs> 
Yeah. All right, and Amy, we have a question that came into us uh, uh, by email. Okay. Uh, here's one. I'm a crafty gal who loves to entertain. Lives How do alone. I convince my husband to accept my imaginary boyfriend? Oh, I think husbands love imaginary boyfriends. You know, why don't you stay home with Ricky tonight? You seem to get along. <laughs> I think, I, what guy in here would not like his wife to have an imaginary boyfriend, right? It takes the pressure off. Three-way. <laughs> well, maybe the so, imaginary boyfriend can do the things that the husband doesn't want to do, go out to some musicals and, uh, yeah. you know, watch Sandra Wear Bullock white jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Go to church. <laughs> church, it could all work out. Listen to NPR together. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. Had to go there, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Well, now we all understand the world a lot better. Thank you, Amy Sedaris. Sure. <laughs> Once again, they might be giants. are calling to sing along but my windows painted shut and all that year of chorus taught me is out of style and long forgot how can I sing like a girl and not be stigmatized of the world Tell me how Can I sing like a girl And not be objectified As if I were a girl I want to raise my freak flag From the watchtowers I've been spotted Fingers pointing at my mouth Spotlights turn and pivot towards me But I dare not make a sound How can I sing like a girl And not be stigmatized By the rest of the If I were a girl And now, everybody's 
we on the Wits Talking Program want to give you some sketch. It bases on the television's hour that the people want to have watching all over. The one about the old-timey advertisement factory. Here, then, the Mad Men Show. Sketch. Mad Men, Mad Men, the Mad Men Show is on. Here come the Mad Men, drinking booze in their hands. <laughs> Off to another day writing advertisement sayings for me, Dan Drapel. I've got my face cigarettes and my grown-up brown drink. Good morning, my writing things down, phone lady. Hi, Dan Tropel. All the other madmen on the Madmen show are coming to your room for talking, and they're all wearing suit clothes. Oh. I wear suit clothes, too. Let them come in, but don't you come in, because nothing is fair. I'm tortured. Dune Drupal, it's me, Robert Grayhaired Man. Oh, I know you a lot, but you're not my dad, Rogers, even though it seems like it. I know. I've been drinking gin for all my life, and I'm mean. Here comes me, Pet Clamble. I want things to have. <laughs> and me, Peggy Olmanson Johnson, Blun. Your old writer-downer from it first. And now you're an idea writer-downer. I know! Executive persons, business is on the way in elevating. What's wrong with you, Dune Drumble? I understand you the most. Uh, I'm tired from all the sex makings with all the women over at my hate apartment. I have hating myself problems all up in my face with the <laughs> gin drinking and the hair flattening goop. Oh, that's... <laughs> It, it's because you're pretending to be a different army man. We all pretend because history is upside downing us. 60s, drinking, suits. Me too. I am part of this. I know. I know what we need to make you feel better, dang Drupal. It's time for ad saying ideas saying. I want oh, ad saying. I got ideas. Where's my idea time? Businessmen will come here soon for us to talk ideas at. I just got the account for airplanes. Airplanes. They're a carousel. Mm. Get on the airplanes and you're on a carousel. And you won't be sad about not understanding Vietnams. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, yeah. I'm Robert Starling and I need to drink all the vodka in the world now. <laughs> and the LSD pills. <laughs> all my wives are the grumpy. I'm really struggling with the smoking cigarettes account and I stayed up all night having ad-saying thoughts while the other men drew pictures. Mm. Smoke the smoking cigarettes on a carousel. Mm. Then in the ad commercials, we'll have girls dancing around. I'm going to look around the room and maybe be upset. I want to make affairs with those dancing around girls, I bet. I'm never having happy at home with nice wife who's also on community. Staying married is hard with Vietnams and Woodstocks. <sighs> Sorry, everyone. I keep thinking of my wife, Betsy, played by January Joe. She was always mad or happy or sick or hungry. I never knew. She would give me a nothing look, and then i walk away. Mr. Drankle, business is here for the big meeting. They're all in the big table room being not as clever as you madmen. <laughs> Okay, everyone, drink all your drinkings and put cigarettes in your faces. 
Let's go shake hands and say things. Because that's how it is on The Mad Men Show. Mad, Mad Men, Mad Men Show's on. Here come the Mad Men, drinking booze in their hands. My oldest child is 11 years old now, and back when he was two or three, he was hooked on Winnie the Pooh. The whole Pooh universe, the Pooh-niverse. We read Winnie the Pooh books constantly, we watched the videos, we led the Winnie the Pooh lifestyle. And the more time I spent with Pooh Bear, the more I thought about what an impossible person he really is. He's completely impulse-driven, he has horrifying eating disorders, he's pantless. And I wrote this piece called Winnie the Pooh is my coworker. March 5th, Maureen brought the new guy around who's going to be working in our group. After the Jason fiasco, we really could use someone with a little bit of brain who can keep up on things. This guy's named Winnie and I don't know, I just have a bad feeling. March 9th, I've been training Winnie for three days and I'm ready to kill him. I showed him how the spreadsheets are updated on the network and he just stared at me with this blank expression. I, I tried to demonstrate the copy machine, but he somehow got his head stuck in one of the slots. I heard his muffled cry of, oh bother, as five of us worked on getting him out. Honestly, is this the best that HR could do? Kirk thinks Winnie might be someone's cousin or something. It's not a bad explanation, except we don't have any other yellow bears working here. March 11th. Although he's worthless, everyone loves Winnie. The girls from marketing come by at least a couple of times a day to hang around his cubicle and talk to him. It's not like they respect his work since he doesn't do any. And I don't think they even respect him. They're just there to be like amused. If he were to make a move on one of them, they'd shoot him down so fast. I mean, I don't expect Winnie either, but at least I keep my distance. Nobody's visit but the church. 
They might be giants with John Munson and the witnesses. This is Wits. I'm John Moe, Amy Sedaris, and they might be giants are here as well. That's exciting. How often does that happen? Not often enough, I'd say. So tell you what, stick around. Welcome back. This is Wits. I'm John Moe. March 15th. I gave Winnie the file of research material on Crawford and Horowitz because I thought he might want to read up on it before the group meeting tomorrow. I'm doing him a favor, right? So I go to get it back from him after lunch and find Winnie sitting on the floor, his hand in a honey jar, and all this paperwork, including the file I need, smeared with thick honey. I asked him what happened, and he looked all confused and mumbled something about needing a little post-lunch snack. Have a freaking apple, dude. March 16th. Turns out Winnie got honey all over his keyboard as well. So what happens? They bring him a whole new computer, top of the line machine too. Here I've been pounding away on this ancient piece of crap for years and Mr. Honeypot gets a whole new setup. The IT guy who came by said it looked like Winnie had never even turned the old machine on. March 19th, Winnie's friends came by to take him out for lunch today. A little pig, an angry-looking rabbit, an adolescent kangaroo, and a tiger that had to be on coke. <laughs> Kirk said he saw them at Sbarro eating some pizza slices and looking scared out of their minds. I guess they live way out in the country or something, so I bet the big city was kind of a, a lot to take in. Winnie was really happy around them. I guess that's good, since he's just been sitting around here moping all the time and staring out the window. March 26th, three times this week, Winnie's asked if I want to join him for a picnic or maybe an adventure. No thanks, I tell him very pointedly. I have a lot of work to do. He just sighs and walks off on his own. <sighs> Silly old bear. All art, be it comedy, theater, literature, must necessarily be placed in competition and judged before we know whether or not it's okay to like it. That's just fact. With that in mind, the Wits Game Show, as always, tailored to the particular skills and talents of our contestants. Amy Sedaris, you are a veteran voiceover artist from many cartoons, SpongeBob, Word Girl, Chicken Little. I will give you the name of a non-existent cartoon. You introduce us to one of the characters from it in that character's voice. 
All right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> they Might Be Giants, the theme song for that cartoon is your department. I understand in your career you've written several songs, more than five. Yes. Safe to say. Yes, many songs. I will judge your efforts unfairly and capriciously and declare a winner after each round. Uh, Amy, what do we win? Nothing at all. Okay. Um, let us begin, Amy Sedaris, with you, The Regrettables. Welcome to The Regrettables. I am a worm, a happy worm, and I regret the fact that I lost my other half five years ago and I am out to sea to look for him. <laughs> all right, all right. Amy Sedaris with The Regrettables. They might be giants. Uh, when The Regrettables comes on our TV screen, what do we hear? Regrettables, Regrettables, it's too late for the GSA. You're... I think that's perfect. That's perfect. That's pretty good. Yeah, half of the worm is out looking. That's like racing music. Yeah. I like that. Is there another half to the song for the other that's, worm? Oh. That's it. That's it. Okay. But it's, it's chopped it. up. Ascap. Ascap is I'd watch that show. Full publishing. Uh, I, I'm giving that one to Amy Sedaris. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Recount. I I'm hate sorry. this game. I'm sorry. I said capricious. Uh, they might be giants. You start with this one. Clifton, the big red god. Clifton! Clifton! Clifton, the big red god. Blasphemy. Ooh. I like that. Nice. I like that. I thought you were just going to stick with the title as your only lyrics, but then you came through with blasphemy at the end. And I got to say, as a judge, I appreciated that effort. You know, I, I got to say, I don't, I'm not comfortable with this competition thing. I know, yeah. right? He's I, tearing I feel us like apart. We, should be, we should be collaborating. We're about with Amy. love, man. We're about love. But, but if, you, if you don't compete, how will we know who's better than the other one? He's got a point. That's <laughs> true. Amy, you know, there, there are two kinds of people in this world. There's Givers and takers. There's winners and losers, oh. and there are people who don't think they're winners and losers. Ah, nice. Yeah, what nice. are you? I don't think they're winners and losers. No, what are you? You're a winner. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wrong answer. Well, I, I'm sure we'll have time for this whole game concept to break down, but for the moment, Amy Sedaris, uh -oh. Clifton, the big red god. What, what, it's about a pimple. I, I, want to hear, oh. I want to hear the voice of one of the characters. I'm old. I'm old and I have a pimple on my forehead. It's like this biggest god. Call oh, oh. the police. I, I'm dying. That's it. <laughs> I, um... I, I, I got it. John Flansburg, you have... We're ready to concede. <laughs> okay. We're ready to concede. You're, you're, you mean you're ready to collaborate and be a team? Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, we'll be. A, yes. we, we're ready. We're team players. We want to be on the winning team. team. The okay, side. all right. Well, <laughs> so with, with a, uh, a two-nothing uh, lead, Amy Sedaris uh, wins the competition, but then the, the, uh, Does she get the exercise continues. <laughs> Amy, you're first up with this one. Ambivalent pony. I'm the ambivalent pony. I can't make decisions. I can't even see where I'm going sometimes. I'm so ambivalent. I can see with my mouth closed. 
but I'm a pony and everyone likes me. They stroke me. That's so bad. Did you just... I'm building... Huh? Did you just say that you can see with your mouth closed? I can... No. Did I? Yes. I'm a pony. I can see with my mouth closed. Is that... You is might th- hear something I didn't see. Is, is, that, is that a... Are ponies not aware that everybody can do that? <laughs> no, ponies don't know. Do we get to Is incorporate that into our song? Yes. Please do. Yes, because we're I, collaborating. I think, I think at this point we're the just kind of gathering pitches together for you yeah, know, to take to Hollywood. Yeah, we don't really care. We're ambivalent. You can do whatever you want. Ambivalent pony <laughs> can see with his mouth closed. <laughs> ambivalent pony can see more than you know. <laughs> he can't decide. He doesn't know <laughs> when this will end. <laughs> All right, the ambivalent pony. The ambivalent pony. I think we have something. So. Because there is, there is so much uh, kinship and collaboration and togetherness uh, among the, the talent that we've brought here, as is to be expected among New Yorkers. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, if, you, if, you, if you don't know about New York, man, New York is like a world of love. I, guess, I guess I didn't realize. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to go through these, and Uh-oh. then uh, the audience will vote by applause which one will make it on to Hollywood and the, the, the small screen. Our next, uh, our next entry is... Pencils, pencils, pencils. Pencils, pencils, pencils. They're sharp as can be. I'm going to write somebody a letter about pencils. I'm a number two pencil, and I am straight on. Get the lid out. I'm as sharp as a pencil. Straight on. I'm not so sure I want my children watching Pencils, Pencils, Pencils. Oh, yeah. I'm, that I'm... comes on at um, 5.30 on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> That's on one of the, the higher-numbered channels on my uh, cable system. All right, well, then, uh, then I guess we go to an audience vote to determine which uh, gets produced. Um, the Regrettables. Uh, some... Clifton the Big Red God, Blasphemy. I'm on! Ambivalent Pony. Super Department of Agriculture. Pencils, pencils, pencils. I think pencils, pencils, pencils go straight into production. Yeah, I think so. Let's write that up. Okay. (laughs) We'll (laughs) We'll pencil that in. Amy Sedaris and They Might Be Giants, everybody. Thank you. Pop song correspondences. An assembly at the school referenced in Pink Floyd's The Wall. People, can we get started, please? As you know, I see us as a community of learners, teachers, students, all together. And I think that's why I have found all the recent violent riots to be so upsetting. 
as the schoolmaster, of course, it's my job to be aware of any concerns people have, and I would like to address the demands that you have issued. We don't need no education. Now, I really don't mean this to sound cruel, but your thesis disproves itself. When you say we don't need no education, your use of the double negative shows that you do. If you had said you don't need any education, I might disagree, but it would at least be an argument. And I think with more education, you might realize that. We don't need no thought control. Well, again, unless proper grammar is thought control, then uh, I mean, maybe we're trying to control your thoughts by teaching you basic math skills and historical facts. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm a brainwashing cult leader here, leading you to your death, blah. No dark sarcasm in the classroom. Okay, that's fair, I'm sorry. But look, when you spend your day teaching, I'm afraid you need dark sarcasm in the classroom, or in this case, the cafetorium. Believe me, if you were a teacher, you'd understand. Teacher, leave them kids alone. Well, it's those kids, actually. Look, I might remind you that we've tried that before, this idea of yours. I remember teacher, leave the kids alone week last spring? No one came to school except to set fires. It didn't work. To have a school, to be teachers, we simply can't leave you alone. That's, that's the opposite of what teaching is. And as I've said, you need some education. How is that? Am I a rock and roll guy? Hey, teachers, leave them kids alone. Look, I want you to know that your concerns are being heard and that they are wrong. All in all, you're just a, another brick in the wall. Oh, nice poetic imagery. Actually, I like that. The, the notion that we're all bricks in a wall, yeah. Because you know what bricks are? They're bonded together, like us. All in all, you're just a, another brick in the wall. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you've already said. All right, one more thing. We've received a suggestion. <laughs> that students be allowed to have pudding, get this, before meat. How is, how is that even possible? How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? I really appreciate the sense of humor you guys have. Okay, so look, I've enjoyed this assembly and maybe soon we could put out the fires you've set and all get back to learning. Thank you. The Wits Lightning Round. It's time for the Wits Lightning Round, home of short questions, quick answers. They might be giants. What is the best instrument to use for songwriting? Uh, the one you didn't run over. <laughs> Anything not run over in a car is the best? Is the best. All right. Amy Sedaris, uh, what, what word do you use more than any other in your writing? Fish. Fish. Amy Sedaris, what would be your first choice for a superpower? Uh, uh, I, I want to see people naked. What do you call that? Um, X-ray vision. Okay. I was going to say, if all you want is to see people naked, there's you the whole internet. You know, yeah. For powers. They might be giants. Name a household object that makes a great musical instrument. 
Oh, uh... <laughs> Can it, be, can it be a musical instrument? What's that? Can it be a musical instrument? No, it cannot already be a musical instrument. Its primary utility needs right. to be something other than making music. Uh, 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 salt shakers. Oh. As shakers. All right. Like salt, like Morton salt. It's a very Beautiful. mysterious. Beautiful. Mysterious. <laughs> multi-textural. Amy Sedaris, yes. what food ma most makes you feel like life is going to be okay? Food? Most, yeah. Um, makes me feel that life's going to be okay. An apple. An apple. Yep. All right. Put a worm in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be okay for the worm. Uh, they might be giants. Which of the 44 U.S. presidents would you, most likely, would you most like to see as the lead character in a cop show? Oh, interesting. I think Jackson. Jackson, because he was a weird homicidal freak. He'd be like an angry cop. Action yeah, Jack. Exactly. It'd be Action angry Jack. He's a rogue like cop. Yeah. He's rogue. like, kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Sedaris, if you were stranded on a desert island, why do you think that would have happened? <laughs> Some people forgot about me. I'm oh. a little pony. <laughs> and uh, they might be giants. Uh, if a shark and a gorilla had been fighting in a swamp for many, many years, and then they decided to sign a peace treaty, which of them would break the treaty first? Shark. Amy Sedaris? Shark. <laughs> oh, you shark. Always so disappointing. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the Wits Lightning Round. <laughs> March 30th. It's Robin. Walt Robin, the VP of Finance, that's how Winnie got the job. Apparently Winnie has some sort of relationship with Walt Robin's grandson or nephew or something. Frankly, I wonder if that's going to be enough to let Winnie stick around. He showed up three hours late today and gave this long story about being chased by bees. Then he brought out another honey pot, his cubicle is littered with them, ate the honey with his hands for a while and passed out on his desk. I mean, it's, it's so far beyond not contributing to the workload at this point. It's unhygienic for us, and he's so clearly not healthy. Someone should do something. Tammy from marketing came by to rub his tummy. Unbelievable. April 6th. Winnie hasn't shown up in three days. I figured he called in sick, but I guess no one's heard anything. He has no phone, so no one's been able to reach him. April 7th. HR asked me to drive out to Winnie's house since I'm his best friend at the company. Sad. I followed the directions and found him in this hollowed out tree where he apparently lives. He must have offered me honey like 12 times. I have to admit he looked happier than he ever did at work. I asked if he was planning on coming back to work. He said that the office was quite an adventure but that he was glad to be home. He really is a, a nice guy but I think it's better for everyone that it's over. He told me to come back and visit sometime, and I said I would. Wits is produced by Larissa Anderson. Our broadcast engineer is Rob Byers. Thanks to Tom Campbell, Mike Wangan, Dan Zimmerman, Julia Schrenkler, Andy Cruz, Jen Deo, and Jeff Kamen. Wits is written by me with help from writer-performers Bill Corbett, Kevin Murphy, and Joseph Scrimshaw. 
Thanks to our house band, John Munson, and the witnesses, Steve Rome, Joe Savage, Richard Medic, and Janie Winterbauer. With musical guest, They Might Be Giants, and the brilliant Amy Sedaris. Wits is developed by Tony Bowl and Peter Clowney and is a production of APM, American Public Media. Find us online at witsradio.org, on Twitter, at Wits. I'm John Moe. Bye now.